The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. When you gotta love it, it's good like it should be Makes you never wanna give it up Cause you know that some people die for love And I believe it's true cause I do the same for you Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lord, today our show is about having a wonderful long-term marriage or a wonderful hot marriage or a hot relationship and we are so thrilled to have back with us a a guy who's become my friend i love him todd krieger and he is the author of this great book that i just finished reading called the long hot marriage and let me just tell you what what, uh, john gray author of men are from mars women are from venus um, and why men and venus collide Um, He says that Todd Krieger does a wonderful job at showing you how to develop the emotional muscle and skills to overcome the challenges and obstacles to having an alive, passionate relationship. He does it in a straightforward style that challenges you to be more interpersonally creative. And I can attest to that. This book is fantastic. It even has exercises and really down to earth. Let me tell you about Todd before we start talking about this great book. Todd Krieger is a marriage and sex therapist who helps couples create loving and passionate long-term relationships, and he helps single people to actually find their soulmates. He's the author of this book that I'm talking about, The Long Hot Marriage, which is a highly regarded book for couples, and his brand new release book, Love, Sex, and Karaoke, 52 Ways to um, you know, Ignite Your Love Life. We have had him on the show to talk about that. That's a really fun book. It's kind of a workbook that goes with this book. And um, he also has a new book, an e-book called The Little Black Book of Infidelity. And that's a book to help couples heal from infidelity. We'll have to have him on to talk about that, too. He has a private practice just up the road in Huntington Beach, California, and he's been helping couples and individuals for over 30 years, both in person and in workshops and via Skype. So he's wonderful. And you can find out more about him and get maybe some help from him at Todd Krieger, that's spelled T-O-D-D. 
C-R-E-A-G-E-R dot com. And you can also go to our website at conflicthealing.com, see his picture of his adorable face, his see JPEGs of his book, and also we link to his website. So go and take a look. Thank you so much, Todd, for joining us. We're so happy to have you back. You're welcome. You you give the best uh, the best introductions of anybody I've ever had. So you can keep on talking. Go ahead. I'll just sit down and be quiet. <laughs> well, I even did that at the at the uh, in person program that we had. Yes. So you yeah, know. Right. Okay. Sure. So tell us first of all, why did you write this book, The Long Hot Marriage? Well, I I had the when I wrote that book, I have been doing this work for like three decades, and clients were teaching me. My client couples were teaching me so much about what works and what doesn't work. And we all know that the common conception of couples is that marriage basically destroys our sex life. I mean, that's the common conception. I mean, when my, when my brother heard that I wrote, was writing a book called The Long Hot Marriage, he goes, oh, you write fairy tales. I mean, that's <laughs> the prevailing, you know. And so what I was finding with the work I was doing with the couples is that was not true, that if they stopped doing what came automatic to them and instead became more mindful, Yes. and creative, that amazing things, miracles happen in their passionate lives. And to be totally honest, I would teach them first. My clients started getting better. I said, I should use this in my own marriage, and it worked <laughs> in my own marriage. But that was the order of things, usually. It was them first, my marriage second. But so it all, it all was like a learning process through what I do. Exactly, exactly. And I noticed that when, when I read through the book, I could see that you, you have to really connect at an intimate mental level, and then when you connect at an intimate sexual level, it's so much more powerful, right? Absolutely. Well, definitely there are women, most women, need to connect on an emotional level. Men really need it too, but we can sexually connect, and that's oftentimes the way we feel emotionally connected. But if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship, then... We really need to get emotionally and mentally connected. Yeah. It's not just about rubbing bodies together. It's right. Just, you know, there's a lot more to it. Well, you, you talk in the beginning about how it's important to bring out the best in each other. So let's talk a little bit about that and how do you do that? I mean, we're on the campus, so there's, there's people in long-term relationships. There's professors who are married. There's business people driving by that are married. You know, Lloyd and I are married. So, so how do you get to that point where you really bring out the best in each other? The, the first thing I always tell people is, you know, because people will come in to see me and you know, there's complaints. They have complaints about each other. They don't like certain habits. They don't like certain things that have gone on or that's been said. And I, I take that very seriously. But at the same time, I say, but you, and this is a good thing, I say, you have power here. You are not just one of these people that are a victim that has to wait for your partner to make all these great changes. You actually... Uh, bring out those qualities in that person that you don't want. You might not want to hear that, but that's true. But the good news is you can learn to bring out the qualities that you do want. But the catch is that it usually means that you need to do something different than you've been doing. So I always try to uh, explain to them that, th- that there is power in it, but, there's, but you've got to take responsibility, that you're not just a victim, that what you say, what you do, and even how you think about your partner will make a big difference in what you get out of your partner. We, we, I, I really need to explain that and reframe it, because they could right away think, oh, are you blaming me? No, because it's not anybody's fault. We're not blaming 
anybody. But you can take responsibility for changing some things in you, and you're going to find that you bring something different out of the other person. And I'm sure as we talk, I could give you numerous examples about that. Yeah. You know, and it's so easy to to talk negatively to each other and have these, you know, the criticism or the blame or the defensiveness or all this, you know, kind of negative stuff. In fact, you were talking about it at this program that we were out about the limbic system and how we are kind of programmed for negativity. We have to kind of really take that and, and switch it and really focus on the positive things about our partner and, and uplift. And you talk about uplifting each other. Talk a little bit about that, how important sure. that is. Sure. Well, again, that, what you said makes so much sense with the limbic brain. You know, the, the amygdala, which is in the limbic brain, is the part of the brain that we need to alert us to danger. And, the, you know, they say fear is our first strong emotion. And that makes sense because we're in this world. We first have to survive. And all, all species of all living creatures, uh, they're here to try to survive. And so we're no different. So the challenge for us, though, is oftentimes the very mechanism which is trying to keep us to survive, actually, in in our desire to protect ourselves, we start to kill off the energy and the spirit of the relationship. So, for example, if if my wife is is angry at me, uh, my reflex is is to protect myself and to defend and to say, you're overreacting, don't be angry, just get over it, (laughs) you know, just stop it already, you know, that's my reflex, I'm trying to survive. You being angry at me, uh, if you think about caveman days, someone angry at me meant you might kill me. Right. But these days, her being angry at me means nothing except she's angry at me. So what we have to do is we have to remember and we have to open when we typically close, we have to stop protecting and, you know, I oftentimes say soften the belly, open the heart, soften the jaw, and then learn, which I'm sure we'll talk about, learn how to listen, how to communicate even when the person's angry. So if my wife, for example, says, I am so angry at you, and I lean over and I say, really, honey, I'm, I, I love you, I'm interested in what, what you're angry about, Tell me more about that. <laughs> and I would say, how many of us have seen our parents do that? Raise your hand. And then, Nobody raises their hand. But that's what we could do. We can do it. We can overcome our amygdala. And we can, we're really not in danger uh, if our partner's angry. Well, if I do that, that's a big impact. Huge. That, Huge. So, so again, yes, I, I can bring out the best in her. But the catch is oftentimes I need to go opposite of my reflex. Yeah. And, you know, when you were just talking about the amygdala, it kind of takes over, you know. I mean, it can, it, y- your heart starts beating, all these things happen physiologically. So, and you even talk in your book about taking those deep breaths and, mm-hmm. and getting centered again before you open your mouth. Taking that pause to really get centered because otherwise you're going to have that reaction instead of a response. Like, you know, the reaction is, you know, go to hell instead of, honey, tell me more about that. <laughs> That's right. Well, we have we have two networks of, of uh, fear responses. We have the slow and the fast, and the fast one is there to protect us. So, we you know I I say if you, if I'm walking down a, a hike and then I see what I think is a snake and I go oh my god and I jump out of the way, and then I look again and I realize it's straight, it's not curvy, and it's not alive. It's a twig, but that that's 
that initial reaction is there to save me. So if my wife comes to me saying, I'm angry at you, yeah, my fast networks, which is actually just one synapse long, it's very quick, um, is there to protect me. But if I could take that breath of two or three, because we do have conscious will and intent, and I slow it down, now my slow networks, which is seven synapses, <laughs> okay, <laughs> takes over, and it goes, and I go, oh, she's angry at me, but I'm not in danger, and I can listen to her. Right. So we all can do that. It just takes practice. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, you talk about um, slowing down, and I think I want you to t- elaborate on that, because I know you talk about how really important that is in communication with your spouse. Absolutely. Absolutely slowing. The problem is, and it's getting worse every day, every year, because of our technology, we go fast. We're on a fast pace. There's always something to do, whether it's for pleasure or for, you know, things that we need to do to get things done. You know, we have kids. We, we have places to go, things to do, money to make. And then we have uh, Internet to look at and sports stores, stores scores to look at. I'm just thinking about me now. <laughs> and, uh, ESPN. Texting, is like my emails. Right? <laughs> emails, yeah. texts. Uh, social network, Facebook. So there's always things to do, and we're on a pace there that destroys intimacy. Mm. So we do need to bracket time in our day where we stop. It can be a minute. Now, if I take one minute every hour to stop, it changes my life. It it, it improves my immune system, and it, it just makes my day a lot better. If I take one minute an hour, uh, and people, we all could do that. We all can do that. It, it doesn't take away from our career. I've had people do it. Not one of them ever said to me, you know, I take that one minute an hour. Um, it's messed up my career. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to me. Not once. And, and, and then, of course, uh, when we're home, let's say, uh, we, let's say we're both uh, eight to five jobs or whatever it is, we come home. I know it's not always the case. But in the evening, some time in there to spend 10 minutes a day. Now, obviously, some days, of course, we want it even longer. But if we can find 10 minutes and we shift and we downshift the pace and we're just hanging together, we're not talking about how we're going to go on our next vacation or, or pay the next the big bill. It's, it's just slowing down, maybe holding hands, looking at each other, Taking in, taking each other in. Mm. That's the key. I mean, we go on vacations like, uh, you know, I just went to Spain. Yeah. We go and we take in, we take in the experience, and everything slows down. That's why we love vacations. Well, we can do conscious vacations with each other as well as alone, but with each other every day for ten minutes, where we vacate our mind, we breathe, we slow it down. And, I, and not only one minute an hour, but when people do the 10 minutes a day as couples, that also, not one person uh, has ever come to me and said, you know, I've been doing these 10 minutes a day things. <laughs> My kids need 10, uh, now they need to go to therapy. Uh, <laughs> uh, we couldn't get them to dance. And... Uh, uh, and my finances falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even taking a walk in nature together, you know. Yeah. I mean, just our, our yeah. the, you know, we're lucky because we live by the beach, but people right. might be, you know, landbound or they, maybe they have Well, you can take in a walk around 
their place and looking yeah. at a few trees that are, you know, it's just slowing down, feeling, being in their senses together, touching each other, looking at each other, smelling each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very, it's really crucial. And uh, I can't overemphasize, I can't uh, emphasize it enough. The key is to all of this. I mean, no matter what I teach, no matter what we do, we have to slow down together to do those very things. Exactly. Now, you you have uh, in Chapter 2, you say uh, it's so important that you have to be aware of your perceptions of your partner. Yes. And um, it's so easy to have perceptions that, oh, you're lazy because you didn't help me with the dishes, or, oh, you're lazy because you didn't pick up the kids, or whatever it is. So let's let's talk about how important that is and how we can reframe the way we perceive each other. Correct. That's great. So, yes, in the way the book's laid out, too, that chapter is in the section of bringing the best out of others. And so one of the most important things, again, like I was saying, is that how I even think about my partner is going to affect my partner and will bring out the very things that that I want or don't want based on how I think. So, for example, this is how it works because we're all responding to each other right brain to right brain. The right hemisphere is that social, emotional, energetic part of our brain. We're all relating all the time, so we're always affecting each other. To think we're not is not true. We all affect each other. So let's say, let's say I come from a family where nobody ever listened to me. And uh, let's say then I get married to my wife, and then because we're human and because we're not used to being listened to, we're not really good listeners until we learn how, I give her a feeling and she gets defensive and she doesn't listen to me. And as time goes on, I see her as a person who doesn't listen to me. And I start to talk to her like a person who doesn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the examples in my book. So yeah. how, if, if I'm expecting her not to listen to me, how will I talk with her? I will have a, probably a harsh tone, a disgusted or angry tone, and I will definitely bring out more of her defensiveness. But if I slow down, mm-hmm. take a breath of two or three, soften my belly, open my heart, and then say to myself, this person is a listener, which sounds kind of counterintuitive when you've had a history, let's say, where that person hasn't listened. Mm-hmm. But how I think determines how I speak or treat her. So I'm thinking she's a listener. She's just got to get better at it, but she's a listener. Then I look at her, my eyes soften, and she sees the eyes, and it registers in her right brain like she's safe because my eyes are softened because I have the thought she's going to listen. I speak in a, in a very more inviting way, and suddenly, lo and behold, instead of being defensive, she listens to me. How did that happen? It's because I started with the thought she's a listener, and I bring out her ability to listen. And that goes for when you see people as reliable. People have demonstrated when teachers expect. They've done studies with with children that didn't do well in school, but the teachers didn't know, and they treated them like they were gifted, and the kids did great. (laughs) So it's the same with spouses and, you know, people in relationships. It's how do I, and I, I did some work consulting, and I've used that with, with uh, bosses and their employees who the bosses say, ah, he's a loser. Yeah. Well, you know what? You are the problem because you see your, your employee as a loser. And I would work on that boss to help them see as a person who's a winner, just hasn't hit stride, 
and maybe even you, the boss, hasn't created the right environment for that success. And let's experiment with that. And had a lot of success in businesses too. But that's a very important practice to be aware of my perceptions of my partner and and see my partner in the best possible light and experiment, which is one of my favorite words, <laughs> experiment and see what happens when I do that, even if some part of me goes, how can I do that? It's not, the his- history tells me otherwise. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, Let's create yeah. a new history for the future. Yeah. That's just really creating a new reality. And then, of course, you're positive and that positive energy. And you talk about energy as well in your book, that Mm -hmm. that energy that you have that you changed, you know, not only you had to change your inside energy for your eyes to soften, for you to look open and receptive to talk to her. So, um, yeah, yeah. you got it. You have to not only you have the thought, my partner's a listener, but you would say, how would I feel if I really believed it? Again, it's, that's why I like that word experiment. Experiment. Play with it. Get a little flexible in your thinking and in your feeling. Drop your defensiveness yourself before you speak and imagine your partner as a listener. Feel it and then speak. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as, as partners and lovers and married, you know, married couple or whoever you are in a long-term relationship, I mean, you are supposed to be best friends, right? You're supposed to be positive yep. for each other and see yep. the best in each other and, and help each other to, to be and to reach their potential, right? Uh, there's no one more important to do that than our intimate partner. And our intimate partner can definitely have the power to bring us down and bring us up. But if we could bring each other up, why not? Why not use it? We do affect each other. I'm not just a, n- a neutral party with my partner. I have the ability to uplift her by say, by complimenting her, by focusing on the good. That doesn't mean suppress the bad. It doesn't mean don't tell her how I feel. But what I tell her how I feel, do it lovingly, seeing her as a loving, caring, listening partner. Let's see what happens. And and to ask for what we want rather than what we don't want, I, that's one thing that I've, I've seen that people are in mediation with me. They're always saying what they don't want. And so I have to teach them to reframe and say, okay, I understand what you don't want. Why don't you say what you do want? <laughs> yes. Yeah, a lot of times when I ask people what do they want, what we, I, I say... What would make you, you know, even two months from now, you look back, oh, God, I'm so glad I met Todd Krieger. Tell me what's happening. <laughs> and they don't know. They can't put it into words. I have to help them find the words to see what they want. They're just complaining of what they don't want. But they have to get a sense of what they want. Exactly. And, you know, for example, with Lloyd, you know, I've been, I've been really trying this new thing where I'm trying to change my brain so I can get nice and thin and strong and you know, muscular and look like I did when I was 30, but... Um, <laughs> Knowing you, it's it's just around the corner, but go ahead. <laughs> so, so, that was sweet, Todd. So, I told Lloyd, I said, Lloyd, I need you to tell me every day you're getting better and better. Every day, and be proud of me when I when I take a small dish instead of a regular large dish, and I only eat with that, what's on that dish, and, I, and when you're eating ice cream, and I go get something else, like a a peach <laughs> or something. I want you to tell me how proud you are of me, how impressed you are, how, how that's really incredible. I, I want you to do that. You've got to be my cheerleader for me. And, and, you know, it really does make a difference. And I think sometimes people don't realize that we really need to be each other's cheerleaders. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, again, who is more important? I know that uh, I've done a lot of speaking, but when my wife heard me speak for the first time, and for a while she hadn't heard me, but she heard me speak, like I think it was last year, and then twice since then, and she came up to me, my God, I remember <laughs> the way you used to speak, and now you're amazing. That You, you can line up a thousand people to tell me I was a good speaker. I'll take those two, three times she told me I was a good speaker. It's just, it was her. Yeah. It makes a difference. Right, right. It's yeah. wonderful. Right. Yeah. So uh, this kind of leads into um, high-impact partnering. And why don't you talk about what is high-impact partnering? High-impact partners is just that. We, we have everything you and I have just been talking about, that we, we can have a high-impact. We do have high-impact on a partner. Right. Just got to make it positive. The catch is usually we have to work on something that we're not good at. So I've had a lot of, usually it's the men that come and go, I don't know what my wife wants from me. You know, I do the dishes. I help raise the kids. I'm a good guy. I don't cheat on her. I don't drink. I don't know. What, what is she, I don't know what the problem is. And then usually it's that she wants, let's say in this case, she wants to share feelings and to be heard. And he's an engineer. And he's terrible at it. And so doing all these things, but he's not impacting her, that high impact, it's because he's not good at the feeling thing, so he's got to get better at it. And the good news is he doesn't have to be great at it. He's just got to get better at it. And if he does get better at it, and he spends those 10 minutes a day, at least some of those 10 minutes, trying to learn to access his feelings and sharing something real inside of him, as well as listen to her, now she's in heaven. So this is a simple example, typically, of a high-impact partner. I know for me, one of the ways I could have a high impact on my wife is to uh, stay organized and pay attention to the house. I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm somewhere else a lot of times. But if I can do those things, it, it's, it's just, she's, she's totally in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not just that, but that really has a high impact on her. Yeah. So we oftentimes have to ask ourselves, what is it that I am not that good at? And those are the very things that oftentimes we need to do in addition to all the things we're good at. And that makes all the difference. And I isn't that part of growing and evolving is, you know, that when we're with someone, we, we are there to learn from each other? We so, are. We yeah, are there to so, learn. Like, so she's there to maybe teach you about being a little bit more organized, which the more yep. organized you are, the more you're going to be able to find what you need. <laughs> <laughs> to that's get them, you know. So yeah. I mean, that that's really what it's all about is to to learn from each other. I think, and if we, we remember that, well rounded, you know, yeah. it's good. Good to develop those weaker sides of ourselves. Again, not ne- I'm never going to be Mister Anal Retentive. I just not who I am. Right. But I surely could be more structured, more organized. This engineer surely can be, you know, a little more open, a little more expressive, and a little more interested in his wife's inner world. Yeah. You know. And uh, we all could do it. We all can, can improve 10, 20, 30%, and it makes all the difference. Well, now we're going to get to the R-rated, and we only have about two minutes left. But oh, wow. I just wanted to, I know, so you can maybe yeah. kind of give like bullet points, but what yeah. makes a really great sexual partner? <clears throat> I think the most important thing is to take risks and to be creative. There is no part of our life 
that we're successful without taking risks, financial, career, uh, athletic, and we don't stay comfortable. To be healthy, as a per, you, know, you were talking about getting more muscular, we have to put ourselves through a little discomfort. Mm-hmm. Well, in, a, in an intimate situation, if we want to be more romance, romancing and more passionate, more sexual, we have to look at the relationship as an adventure. We've got to look at the bedroom as an arena where we have adventures. And it doesn't mean hanging from the chandelier necessarily <laughs> could. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. But I'm talking about, you know, just sharing something new about yourself, trying a different position, touching a little differently, getting into the unknown, doing things where you don't know if you're really good at it yet. You know, do things you're bad at. Have bad sex, you know? <laughs> it's okay to have bad sex. At least you're having sex. It's like... like Try like my wife and I do ballroom dancing. I'm terrible at it, and then I get better at it until she teaches us the next step, and then I'm bad again. So it's okay, but we're having fun being bad at it, and then we get better at it. So it's just, it's being willing to stretch and explore and risk, and not do the same thing I did yesterday, and yeah. not talk in the same ways I did yesterday. And and really be trustworthy and trusting, right? Oh yes, I mean, well that, that's true. No secrets. I now of course you know I deal a lot with infidelity. Yes. No secrets. It's important to take a chance and risk being open, sharing a part of you. Maybe you feel your partner won't accept, but the more open you are, the more connected you are, the more you can be all more of who all of who you are. The less chance you're going to be secretive in that slippery slope. Yeah. And if you're really loving and connected, connected not only mentally and emotionally and romantically and physically, the the less you're going to have a need to have an outside relationship. So, I Absolutely. Think. We want to make this relationship an adventure and we can. Okay, well, we are. I just want to tell people the name of your book again The Long Hot Marriage, Todd Krieger. You are wonderful. We will have you back again with your new book, and you take care, okay? Hey, thank you. All right, bye bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. Some people die for love, and I believe it's true because I do the same for you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.